going? What a great day. It's so good to be here. So God, it's so good to feel God. So good to be in his presence. I'm glad I'm one of the, the pastors here at Faith and so glad that you're with us and so glad that we can be in this moment together. We're in week two of our series in the Psalms called Poetry in Motion. Poetry in Motion, looking at the Psalms in real life. So the Psalms are a collection of 150 works of early in, uh, Hebrew poetry. I was going to say early English poetry. No, no. Long before early Hebrew poetry. And, and, and the reason I, I say that and I stress that is it's important to know what kind of literature you're playing around with. Like if it's poetry or whether it's prose or whatever, because understanding that helps you to interpret it more, more realistically and more accurately. And I said last week, it's like you, you don't read a phone bill the same way you do a love letter or, or you, don't, you don't read a legal contract the same way you do a birthday card. So it's like it, it's, it's just a way to be able to make sure we're on the right track, that we're dealing with poetry, beautiful poetry, heartfelt, passionate poetry. And what I, what I believe one of the freeing things about the Psalms is that they give us permission to celebrate with passion like we did this morning, like to celebrate and just cry out to God in passion. It gives us permission not to be okay all the time, and it gives us a voice to express it. It gives us permission to say, like I said last, night, last, last week, God, I'm not okay, but you're okay, so it's okay. And the Psalms do that for us, and, I, and I, it's, a, it's a powerful thing to do it. I love what N.T. Wright says. He's a, a biblical scholar, English biblical scholar and theologian, and he says, the Psalms might not always seem to us particularly pure or worthy as sacrifices should be. And if you've read all of them, Candidly, you would certainly know what he's talking about there. And he says, but I think part of the point is that they're truthful. The sincere outpourings of who and what the worshiper actually is. And when we worship the creator God with our whole truthful self, we trust, and the psalm strongly encourages us to trust, that we will be remade. Oh, it's so good. Truthful. You know, outpourings of who and what the worshiper actually is, who and what we really are, the, the permission to be honest, to be real, to be us. I love that about the Psalms. No pretending, gut level honesty with God and ourselves. That's not always an easy place to get to, that's not always an easy thing to express. And the fact that we've got these, these Psalms to be able to do that is, is, is a great privilege. I don't know about you. But I've kind of begun to realize that there's an age in a person's life when they begin to avoid mirrors. <laughs> Not because mirrors are dangerous, <clears throat> but because mirrors are brutally honest. They show a reflection of how old we are, not how old we think we are. <clears throat> yeah, that's me. James 1, verses 22 to 25 says... But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. Okay, fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself. You walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Right? So it's that reflection. It's that... 
It's the word actually acting as a mirror. And the Psalms can act as a mirror to us. They, they, can, they can show us they're a mirror that reflects more than just a physical appearance, but a mirror that reflects the soul. That can be scary at times. Uh, that, that may be reason enough for us to avoid mirror, that mirror, the Psalms, in and of themselves because of the level that they take us. But I also believe that there's a freedom available mm. for those brave enough to embrace the brutal honesty of the mirror of the Psalms and allow it to reveal something about ourselves and transform us into the image of God. There's, there's a freedom that we have access to if we can push through ourselves and really embrace it. We live in an age of what I would call perceived reality. I don't know how else to describe that, but that's, that's what I'm going to use as words, or perception over reality, that idea that perception is king. Um, the age of social media, you know, false book and Instasham, uh, <laughs> where people use, you know, hashtag no filter to try to make a staged selfie seem more authentic and believable, where comparison is rampant, <laughs> and the standard can be fabricated at best and intentionally unreachable at the worst, when, especially when it comes to advertising. We need a place where we can be honest, we can be real, where we can be raw with ourselves and God. And by the way, the internet, the internet is not that place, just, just saying. God doesn't pay attention to our social media feed. He pays attention to the life behind it. God is looking at who we are in real time, in real life, in real ways. The fears and the joys, the heartache and the triumphs, the human existence, the reality of it. There's such a cleansing and freeing effect of being real with our creator. And guys, we can't get there by skimming the surface. We can't get there by, by pretending so I want to look at a psalm today that will likely make all of us squirm a little bit. It's not a song of celebration or of triumph, but I believe that there's power to, for it to bring victory that we never expected possible. I want to look at Psalm 51. Psalm 51. And sometimes the subtitle of the psalm says as much as the psalm itself. And this psalm is one of those. Like, like listen, it's like Psalm, 50, psalm 51, and then there's the next line is this. For the director of music, a psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. Okay, so that's the, that's the kind of the subtitle. That's like Psalm 51. That's the first information that you get. And you're kind of like, hmm, talk about context. Um, that's, that's pretty revealing in and of itself. So I want to lay this out to you. David... In case you don't know, David was one of the greatest kings in Israel's history. He was the same David that's mentioned in the Old Testament that, that killed the, Goli uh, the giant Goliath with a sling and a stone. Okay, that's, that's that same David. He became a great military leader. Eventually, he was the king of all 12 tribes of Israel. He united them and brought them together. He's credited with writing many of the Psalms found in the Old Testament. Like, quite the pedigree. I mean, he was an amazing amazing man. He was also the man who, from his balcony, noticed a beautiful woman bathing when he should have been out fighting for his people, and decided had, she got, he sent for her. She was brought to his palace, 
they had, they, she got pregnant. That's as much detail as you need. And then in order to, to have her for himself, to cover it up, he, he had her husband, Uriah, killed in battle, who was fighting for David. I mean, it was a messy affair. It was, it, it was ugly. And 2 Samuel chapter 12 records this interaction between David and a prophet called Nathan. And Nathan confronted David for his actions. Now, I want you to think about this a little bit. This was likely an occupational hazard. You've got Nathan the prophet. God speaks to him. So you don't want to disappoint your, your boss, right? Being a prophet, God's your boss. So it's like, there's that side of it. That's a pretty you know, tall order in and of itself. But here he is, God challenges him to confront one of the deadliest men in Israel's history who has already killed once because of this whole affair, and you're supposed to go to him and confront him and tell him, hey, man, that, that's not okay. Well, miraculously, we read that God spoke to David through the prophet, and the prophet laid out the consequences for his sin, put it all out there. There was no hiding it. There was no room for excuses. David was busted, and he knew it. So David's response to the prophet explains really why David is referred to as a man after God's own heart. In verse 13 of 2 Samuel chapter 12, 2 Samuel chapter 12, it says David's response to Nathan after he's confronted, after it's all out there, he goes, oh, I've sinned against the Lord. There was no justifying. It was a moment of brutal honesty. Most powerful man in the kingdom, I have sinned before the Lord. Now let's read the psalm. David crying out to God says, I'm going to read from the NLT. David crying out to God says, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I've done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb teaching me wisdom even there. Purify my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. I'm going to pause there just for a second. You have broken me, but, but let me rejoice. I don't know if you realize it, but one of the things when Nathan the prophet was speaking to David, he let him know, it's like, listen, yes, Bathsheba is pregnant, but that child is going to die. He let him know that, like, and so David went into mourning. He went into fasting for the child, like, and, and the child died. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. God, don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. 
Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Don't banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me, God. Teach the rebels joy of my salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach the rebels and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O oh God, who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O oh Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire sacrifice, or I'd offer one. You do not want burnt offerings. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Folks, temptation will sometimes lead to sin. And the Bible tells us that sin leads to death. But God has made a way for us to have forgiveness through Christ. It's like I read this psalm, and in many ways it really wrecks me. Because of, of how blatant and raw and real and vulnerable it gets in the face of, of something that was, was really horrific. I mean... I mean, David, David didn't just oops. I mean, this was, talk about fall from grace kind of a deal. You know what I mean? This was, this impacted so many people. And it actually even, it affected his whole family and the result of it and the spinoff of it. But in the midst of that, David, as he pours out his heart, he says, I recognize my rebellion. He goes, it haunts me day and night. It goes down, it's like, God, you desire honesty from the womb. God, you, you want me to be real with you. You want me to open up. You want me to be candid before you. He's like, give me back my joy. He's like, he, he lays it out. It's like, don't, God, like, his heart for God, his desire to be made right for, was like, he, he I, like, this wasn't said with dry eyes. This was the cry of a heart of a desperate man recognizing how far he had fallen in and recognizing what he had lost. He got the woman he wanted, but at what cost? And he recognized what happened with his relationship with God. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 says in the New Living Translation, My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone sins, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. Sin is bad enough in and of itself. But pride, guilt, and shame will try to tie us to our sin. Okay, what I'm saying is like sin is bad enough. Like you, you, you fall, you, you stumble, you commit something wrong. And many times, there's very, very, very few people that you have to actually explain. It's like, dude, you know you messed up there, right? That's, there's something within us that nine times out of ten, we know that. We don't have to be told that. So there's the recognition of that. But what the enemy does in the midst of that to compound it, which I believe is what leads to death, to compound that is either through pride or guilt 
or shame associated with that mistake, with that sin, with that brokenness, ties us to it, binds us to it, chains us to it. Because if if the enemy can keep us chained to it, then we're distracted, we're pulled away from God, then we, we don't see the freedom that God desires to bring So we begin to condemn ourselves and we begin to be trapped in it. But what God is doing through his son is like, I'm writing you so that you, Christ, the one who's truly righteous, so the truly righteous on our behalf gives us away. You see, David got honest with God. Now, granted, it took Nathan to confront him. But in that moment, he got honest with God. And that should be encouraging for us. You're like, how is that so encouraging? Because we see David gives expression to the repentant heart. He went to God in brokenness and repentance, and I believe that he found a deeper place with God because of it. So this is Psalm 51, and I'm not saying that these were written chronologically or compiled in a specific order for this particular reason. But I want us to jump to Psalm 103, also written by David. In Psalm 103, I'm going to read just bits and pieces of it. it, But Okay, so we've got Psalm 51. God, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. God, restore to me the joy of your salvation. God, forgive me. Blot out my sin. Wipe away the stain. Free me from the guilt. Verse 2 of Psalm 103, let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. Verse 8, the Lord, the Lord's compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, abounding in love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve for his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens is above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. 51 A response from God to Psalm 51 results in a response from David in Psalm 103 that's like, let everything that is within me praise his name and never forget the benefits of our God who who forgives my sins, who heals my diseases, who, who accepts me even when I... Adultery and murder... Even in the midst of that, he doesn't treat me like I deserve. For as high as as the heavens are above the earth, so great is God's love for me. People, that's nuts. That's like, that's that's so powerful. Like David is expressing something that's like so passionate, so visceral, so deep within him because he's experienced it for himself. I'm going to keep this short. I'm going to ask the team to come back. And folks, 
I don't know where you've been or what you've done, but I know that the God I serve is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. Okay, some of you heard me. Folk, I don't know where you've been or what you've done, but I know that the God that I serve is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. Now, now we need to hear that because maybe you're here today and you can relate to David when he said, I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. You're... You, you, you know the sting of that, the, the reality of that, that there's, there's just something that in the back of your head, and you, the guilt, the shame, it's eating at your soul. I want to encourage you today that, that we can get gut level real with God. We can be honest. And honestly, it's what God desires anyway. We can, we can pray along with David, create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit in me. And for some of us, it's time to recognize that it doesn't matter if we think it's not hurting anyone else. It's against God that we've sinned, even if it does hurt other people. It's primarily that brokenness. I mean, I thank God for, for prophets who speak the truth in love. And that's really the... the the sign of a true prophet is truth and love. And somehow they, they find a way to bring those two together. And, and I thank God for, for psalms that capture our attention and express the cry of our hearts. I mean, I thank God that as far as east is from the west, God has removed my sin, my guilt, my shame, my disappointments, my failures, my shortcomings from me. From me from me because I can preach this to me first and then to you from me and he can do the same for you and can I just say if you know the weight of sin here today if you know the power of shame and guilt I pray right now in the name of Jesus you would also know the power of repentance the power of forgiveness and the power of his grace the chains of guilt and shame forged in sin are no match for the grace and love of God. No match. I've had something just, oh, it's just been, it's, this message has been on my heart. I'm, this message has been on my heart. can't figure out whether it wrecks me so much because it's my story or because it's somebody's here or it needs to be somebody's here <laughs> but we're going to make room for that I want us to stand together there's a certain amount of pride that goes with with those of us that have been around church circles for a while, they're like, pride in church? Oh yeah, afraid so. And that pride kind of comes out that we want other people to think we've got it all together. 
you know, not super obvious, but it's like when it comes to like things like sin, it's like, well, that's somebody else's problem. That's not mine. And, and, it's, and it's like, I get that. I mean, we've all been there. I mean, I'm the pastor, right? It's like if, if anybody's got an image or whatever that they're supposed to uphold, it's supposed to be me. Well, sorry, folks, you get, I am what I am and I am who I am. And it's like, I'm a forgiven, broken man. But today, the joy, the power of this message is, is, is not the sin. The power of this message is that we can have freedom, that God wants us to come to him, that we don't have to carry it. We don't have to be chained by it. The guilt, the shame, everything that goes with it, we, that can be lifted off of us. We can be cleansed. Yeah, we can. And it's like, and, and this isn't just to, 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 to people that, you know, that, that have murder and adultery on their rap sheet. This is for all of us. This is for all of us. If you're here this morning and you know that sting of sin and the, and the weight of guilt and the, and the things when you're, you're just trying to get out from under something and it feels like you're being smothered by it and you're like, God, please, Lord, just remove the stain. Take the guilt away. Set me free from this. Cry out to God in this moment. It's like, you don't have to carry it. You don't have to keep on. You can be free from that. Jesus made a way for you to be free from that. The chains of guilt and shame are no match for the grace of God this morning. So we're going to, can, can we do that new song again? Oh, man. First, here we are worshiping together, and, and then the, it's like the second song, and they're playing the song. I'm like, my heart's going like this. I'm like, we've got to do that song again. And so I've asked you want to do that, but I, whether you come forward or not, run to the Father this morning. Run to the Father this morning. It doesn't matter what it is. Leave it at His feet and just allow Him to bring the freedom, the cleansing. The, the allow Him to break those chains this morning. God, I thank you, Lord. Lord, that, that birth for us. And Lord, I just pray for anyone that's struggling, anyone that feels unworthy, anyone that is broken, anyone that is far from you, anyone that is wants to be closer to you this morning. God, that the power of the Holy Spirit would draw us to you, Lord. We run to you, God. And we just declare you are good. You are worthy. Forgive us, Lord, in Jesus' name.